Hi, everyone. Um, welcome back to a new episode of Confabulation. Today, I'm with John A. and I'm Bethel, as you all know, and we have some very special guests. I would, um, I'll let them introduce themselves. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Kelly Robinson. I'm the executive director of our sister's house. Nice to be here with everyone. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Betty Blakeney and I'm the operations manager for our sister's house. Thank you, Miss Betty and Kelly for being with us today. Um, so our sister's house is a domestic violence advocacy organization based in Tacoma, Washington. And we provide advocacy and education for victims and survivors of domestic violence. If you or anyone you know is experiencing domestic violence, you can call us at 253-383-4275 or visit our website at oursistershouse.com. Today for Confabulation, we will be focusing on the history of our sister's house and um, kind of what OSH might have um, in store for the future. So, Johnny, you can kick off with the first question. The first question I want to ask you all is what made you all want to create an incorporation such as Our Sister's House? Well, since I was one of the beginning folks, I guess I can answer that. My sister-in-law and I had just retired. She was a, um, she worked for the airlines and she volunteered in the Tacoma school district. And I had done nursing for like 25 years and I, um, I had retired. She had um, had experience in the school district of seeing young teenage girls just being kind of left out of the system. You know, there were services surrounding all the other ethnic groups, but the, uh, the black girls ended up going into the juvenile justice system or the, the um, diversion system. So we decided that we wanted to do something to help give back to the community, and she wanted to do this group home for runaway kids, runaway girls. And our dream included uh, dressing them up in little nice dresses and patting leather shoes. But we soon found out that that was what was needed. Um, we opened the group home with, we had eight beds. So we were able to take in uh, eight girls at a time. And these were girls who had run away, some of them as many as 37 times from uh, foster care or temporary uh, care. And um, as we worked with them, the more, the more we saw these girls, the more we interacted with them, we learned that they were also victims of domestic violence, uh, sexual abuse, um, just a plethora of injustices. So that was the basis for us opening our sister's house. And what kind of difficulties, if any, did you guys run into during this process of creating Our Sister's House? Well, we were pretty well received in, in general, but um, funding was a big issue. We partnered with um, Catholic Community Services. We had a contract with um, Juvenile Rehabilitation Services. But it was not enough funding to really do the things that needed to be, to be done for these girls. So funding was a big issue. Um, we, had, we had planned to work with teenage girls, but one of our youngest cl uh, clients was only nine years old. Um, but the biggest um, 
the biggest hassle was when we were asked by the state to um, consider the girls who were adjudicated. And we did that for several years. We brought them in, we helped them get jobs, we helped them finish high school with a GED or graduation, and we helped them do community services. And then uh, one day out of the blue, the state decided they didn't want to do that anymore. They came to the house and shackled the eight girls that we had there and took them back to Echo Glen. That just about blew us out of the water. How did you all, like, what kind of happened after that? Because, I mean, it was just out of nowhere that happens. Yes, it was. We had another program going at the time. It was called New Directions. And New Directions was meeting the need of, for families with teenagers who were showing violence within the home. Um, these kids were in the diversion system, and that program was attempting to keep them from going into uh, the, the juvenile courts. But um, since we had found that these girls were all um, involved in some type of domestic violence, we had laid the foundation for applying for funding and changing our program to serve victims of domestic violence. So that's how that segue into that. Did you um, see any of those girls that you had uh, served come back or like find a way to connect with you guys again? Or is it was it kind of just like a fresh chapter? Well, we did some have, have some encounters in the community with a few of the girls. Um, some of them had been successful and had gone on to have better lives. Um, I can't say that that was a big number, but um, the girls who were there, who we had from juvenile court, many of them had were able to change their lives while they were there because they did finish school, they did get good jobs. And it was nice because the, the community, some of the community, small community businesses hired our girls. Yeah, I can add that um, there was one day I was out in the parking lot where, of our old facility, our old office, and this car came in and turned around and she she saw the sign and she said, is this our sister's house? And I said, yeah. She said, I was in our sister's house. I said, you worked for us? She was like, no, I was in our sister's house. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? She says, I was one of the girls that was in the group home. And it, and I, I did remember her. She was a real estate agent. Um, she was doing very well. She was driving a beautiful black Cadillac. And she told me she had two kids and she gave me her business card, which I still have. I need, I really would like to reach out to her, but um, that was, I was just, I was so happy for her. I was so proud of her. She was like one of our, um, almost notorious girls because she had quite a crime. She had committed a robbery um, that she had orchestrated. So she was like one of our, our high risk offender to reoffend. Mm -hmm. But to see that she was doing well, that, that really was amazing. Right. And to hear that from you, Kelly, that leads me to my next question of how do you all think our sister's house has impacted the community since you guys have opened? I think that's a great question. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, um, through all the efforts we've had, the fact that we've been able to sustain and maintain a program since 1995, that we are seen as an asset and a resource and um, are considered valuable to our community. Um, 
you know, I just, I, I, I love having, you know, you all, the young staff with your innovative and creative ideas that help us to remain relevant and to continue to fill the gaps and services that we, we know exist out here. Um, so I had a question about culturally specific care, because that's, I know that's something our sister's house really prides um, itself in. And it's also, if I'm not mistaken, like OSH is one of the only nonprofits, like VV nonprofits that actually has um, culturally specific care in the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I wanted to ask you both, what is culturally specific care? Why is it important and how have you seen clients benefit from it? Yes. So culturally specific care is care that is given without bias, without stereotyping. It's listening. It's making our clients feel comfortable the minute they either come through our door or reach us through the phone or, you know, our initial contact is comfort. It's, you know, uh, meeting clients where they are without judgment and because and it's important because there is there there's not a lot of it around in this area and um in particular for black women we are seen as someone who are you know can take a lot of pain we don't hurt easily uh, we're strong um you know we're not heard so it's important that those stereotypes be broken down and, um, you know, because domestic violence is something that permeates our culture. It's something that is learned. It is seen from generational. So at some point, it has to be explained that this is not the way relationships should look. And so there's a lot of education that needs to happen. There's a lot of um, barriers and stereotypes that have to be broken down. So um this this is it's it and it's got to be done right because if you don't do it carefully, um, you know you can mess things up and that person will not feel like they can you know they can trust anyone because trust mm-hmm. is a big issue as well. So um, it's it's very careful. It's very specialized. So that is why to me it is so important. Yes, I'd like to echo that uh, about the educational piece. And when we think about it, we think, well, we have to educate other cultures about ours, but we have to educate our own people. Um, Being in the Pacific Northwest, I think we're kind of lagging behind in some of the other communities across the country as far as being aware of uh, our special needs, um, the special focus we need to have in our communities. And one of the one of the areas that we we have tried to target in the past, and I'm sure you guys are doing it now, some of the black churches, um, some of the leaders in the churches are just, you know, a little bit behind in um, promoting cultural awareness in our communities. And then next, how have you seen clients benefit from OSH's culturally specific care? So I have seen the gratitude, the, the realization that, um, that they couldn't have done this without our help. Um, Natalie Price, who runs our support group, Sister Seeking Change, she sends me the feedback that she gets from their clients and they're always, it's overwhelmingly uh, positive. They are uplifted, they are motivated, they are empowered. Um, it's just, you know, it, we have survivor stories. We have stories of people who have 
been successfully able to leave their abusive relationships, flee to other states, other family members. Um, and, and it's just an overwhelming gratefulness and satisfaction. And, um, and that's what keeps me going in doing this work. Um, so I have a question for you all. I want to know what is the hardest thing about working in this profession with the victims of domestic violence and seeing that, you know, within our community and working closely with these clients? So for me, there's been um, two things that are hard, that have been hard. It's been um, getting the recognition that I feel like, you know, our sister's house deserves um not so much as far as being, you know, praised, but just under, you know, just acknowledging the fact that we do this work. Uh, we're not. There are certain groups in the in this community that don't um, don't recognize us yet. Uh, we've been, you know, we've been here for a long time. It's 27 years, and we're still not um, like one of the top um, recognized agencies within the city of Tacoma, to be honest. Um, so that's been kind of difficult. It's being, you know, being respected, being, you know, valued or made to feel that we're valued by, you know, the city that we work in. And some of the difficulties in working with the clients has been um, when we spend all our time and energy and either they're not truthful with us about what's really going on or they end up going back to their abuser. And I, we know that the mistrust is dealt with because of the whole mindset of the power and control and the PTSD and the anxiety and all the things that come with being a survivor of violence and trauma. Um, you know, they, they, they do what they do to survive. So we also, we all, you know, we know that comes with not always being truthful. So um, it just makes us harder for when the next person comes to us. So we have to make sure again, that, you know, we meet people where they are. We, we try to be without bias and judgment, but that to me, that those are some of the hardest things. I think Kelly covered it all. And I think that goes to show just like, like one, this is a black woman, like most, like pretty much in leadership and like the top positions run nonprofit. And I think it's just another example of how like black women are not really just recognized period. Mm -hmm. Like you all are doing like historic work, culturally relevant work and just like something that the state hasn't seen before and the fact that like if it I feel like I definitely think if it was any other demographic it would probably get a lot more recognition um but yeah I think honestly that's just like a prime I just like further proves like how important OSH is I think thank you yep and that's so true Bethel I saw there's a special on Netflix that did a um like a document docu series on Black women in business, and they kind of did the hierarchy, and Black women are at the bottom as far mm -hmm. as any kind of business for profit, nonprofit, whatever it is. It's white men, white women, Black men, and then Black women at the bottom as far as mm -hmm. recognition, funding, um, being taken serious, all, all of that. And I was like, that just resonated with me because that's exactly what I experienced. Just to kind of shift gears a little bit. Um... What is a favorite memory that you guys have had with anybody, I guess, like a client with an OSH event or a staff member that you'll never forget? Well, mine includes that little nine-year-old girl that I was telling you about in the beginning. She came to us. She was still sucking her thumb. She was still sleeping in the bed with her mom, but she had been through so much trauma. 
and um, I just see her little helpless soul coming to our sister's house, being brought there by a police car. And um, we kept her, I think we had her for about a, a year and she was finally allowed to go back home. She was the primary grown-up in her family. I think her, her mom and her dad both had some developmental issues and she had uh, two little sisters, but she was sent back home. And I saw her years later, we got her when she was nine and I saw her when she was 19. And she had married. She, um, I believe she was a Muslim and she had a child and she was so grown and mature. It was just so nice to see her those years later that she had been able to survive. And she had, she was very thankful to us at our sister's house. And for me, there's, there's many, um, I think one of my favorites, um, that comes to mind right now is we had a, an advocate. Her name was Barbara McLaren. Mm. She worked for us for nine years, I think longer than anybody. She was our DSHS advocate and Barbara passed. And I, I, to me, it was so important to keep her memory and her legacy alive because she loved her job. She, she loved working um, at DSHS and seeing the clients. She would do anything we asked. And so one year, the, the year after she passed at our fundraiser, we created uh, a fund, which is called, the Angel Fund is actually named after Barbara. It's Barbara Ann McLaren or Babs Fund. And um, we just try to keep her memory alive. You know, she has a big family here in Tacoma. Her brother is a, um, a pastor at a, a really big church here. And her mom just died and her mom, was like 84 years old and used to come and pick up Barbara's check. She would come up the steps. The little lady was in such good health and her family just, just really meant a lot to us. And mm -hmm. so um, Barbara McLaren, um, she was, I'll, we'll never forget her. And we're trying, I'm trying to do everything I can to make sure we keep her, her legacy alive. So I had another question for you all. I want to know, cause you, you know, um, previously you all just mentioned that it's hard um, to get that recognition, you know, from um, the community and things like that. So how do you all plan on making people more informed about what our sister's house is and how do you plan on, um, you know, working towards that recognition and getting that praise that you all deserve? Thank you. That's a great question. I think. Mm -hmm. Well, one way is this um, podcast. Um, I appreciate the work that and how this has grown and developed into what it is today. I'm really proud of, of you and Bethel for this. Um, other ways, we are partnering with some mainstream organizations. Mm -hmm. um, our sisters, there are other people that agree with you. And so um, foundations such as the Greater Tacoma Community Foundation, Tacoma Boat Builders, the Juvenile Court, some of our community partners are really helping me um, kind of spread the word. And we have also just, fingers crossed, we are going to be getting a board fellow from the University of Washington. And so one of the things that, um, if this goes well for us, we would have them do is help us with brand and marketing to the community so that they are aware of us. And also recruiting board members who are more um, community connected so they can help as well. 
So there is a plan. Um, and I think this, you know, having you all in this, in this vehicle right here has helped me kind of identify that because I get a lot of questions about our podcast and our social media. They want to know who's doing it. You know, are you like, are you like manning it? Are you microman? No, I hired great people and they run with it. They take my ideas and they just, they just make them happen. So, um, again, it's, it's, it's my team, this team that we have created that is helping to make those things happen. I just want, this is not a question, but I just want to point out that I love the fact that you created the team of, you know, young, innovative people, because it's the mindset, you know, the world is always changing. And for us to be, you know, very informed and have these different ideas that we can pitch to you and you can um, present them to us, like in, in your own way, I just really love and appreciate that. That is actually like the best part about working for this incorporation is that the team is just so solid and we're all so different, but that makes us come together and have these great ideas so that OSH can continuously evolve. That was, and I don't even know how that happened, but, you know, I went through some trying, you know, ways with, you know, different staff members and, and this doesn't work for everybody. So I went through some, you know, some rough patches trying to figure, you know, how to get you all. So I think it was, you know, um, I'm, I'm a faith-based person. And so I think it was through that help that helped us all come together like this. I believe that too. Um, I'm a faith-based person too. And I believe in prayer. And I've just been so thankful for the staff that Kelly has been able to recruit. I've just I've noticed the energy that's that's around. I noticed the um even the upbeat attitude with 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 each of you. Um Putting up with the old lady in the back office is nice also. But um, I'm just very thankful for each of you. When I go through your names every week on the payroll, I say praise the Lord for this one and that one and this one over here too. Because I think you have really helped us reach uh, the ultimate goals of our sister's house. Yeah, and she asked, who is this and who is that? <laughs> you know, she, even though yeah, she is in the... she's. She's got her finger on the pole. She's in the background, but she she wants to know who each of you are and where you come from. And so, um, and I appreciate that too, because, um, you know, my mom, she, this was her and her sister-in-law's passion and this was their dream. And, and I'm just trying to do what I can to keep it alive and keep it growing. And, and I just feel like, you know, we are in a really great place right now. And, I, and it's because of you all, you know, I couldn't have done this without you all. I would just like to echo like everything Johnny said, I completely agree with. And like, I think I've heard from pretty much everyone, like how great, like we have this great dynamic on the staff where we all come from different like parts of our, like in our journey in life. And like, I learned from people that are older than me. And I also learned from those who are like, who came in after me. And I don't think there's like any harm in, doing things in like an unorthodox way like I feel like at least like before I came to OSH when I was applying to other nonprofits, it's like they all wanted like 10-15 years of experience or like even like five to seven years of experience and in my head I was just like it's like times have changed like it's okay to get somebody who might not have that much experience or that much on their resume and I think that 
in investing, like in when you're investing in people who might not traditionally get the role that you're hiring them for, and in this case, like a lot of younger people, especially young black folks, um, I think it's really just like it's like a testimony in like the quality of the like work that our sister's house is producing and um, like giving to the community. I think it really shows that your business plan is working. <laughs> um, but kind of like, I had another question that also um, came in mind when you were talking about um, how to better reach the community um, and put yourself out there. I was wondering if there's a certain demographic that you all wish that OSH could like, I guess, better service or um, better promote themselves to? Um, well, you know, because of, you know, changing times, you know, people are moving into our community. You know, we want to reach uh, all of the Black and African diaspora, that diaspora, excuse me. So um, eventually we are, you know, we, we know that um, domestic violence permeates the African community as well. Um, so we need to incorporate that as well. Um, that's why I keep saying Black because, you know, Black does not, you know, African-American does not encompass everybody because everyone is, you know, there's all kinds of Black people. So uh, we really want to be able to reach um, the African community um, because, you know, we, we do see them more moving into this, into Pierce County, and they need to know that our services are for them as well. And we want to be culturally relevant to them as well too. So um, I think that's the next thing that I would say we need to kind of put on our, for, you know, on our forefront moving forward into this year. Mm -hmm. And then my next question um, is kind of relevant to what's going on right now. So how has it been running our sister's house during this pandemic? It has actually been amazing. Um, what has happened um, because of Zoom and meeting people in these spaces, I have been able to connect with um, people I've never been able to connect with before. And I have developed relationships and partnerships with, like I said, Tacoma Boat Builders. Who would have thought that our sister's house in Tacoma Boat Builders, who is run by you know, a woman would want to, has, has seen value in our work. She has connections to this community that I don't because, you know, just the way it is. And she's brought, you know, people to us. We've gotten funding because of them. So it's just been um, the network. My network has, has expanded. Um, I have people that are saying, you know, our sister's house needs to be seen and recognized and they are helping to make that happen. Um, the Greater Tacoma Community Foundation has been really excellent as far as um, supporting us and making sure that other funders and other, you know, influential community members know about us. So, um, and then with the, the CARES Act and the FIPSA funds that has been strategically aligned because of how COVID affects the Black community, that has put our sister's house in line for funding that we have never seen before. And so that has allowed us to do, you know, allow us to do all kinds of innovative things. We were able to help with, you know, I wasn't someone who's trying to promote the vaccine, but we were able to help offset some costs for those who went to get the vaccine. Um, so it's just been, 
you know, and there's still, it's this, it's, the FIPS of money is still coming in and it's still, you know, COVID is still impacting our community. So as, as long as these federal dollars are still coming in and they, and they're really dedicated to helping black organizations and black community that, that puts us in a, in a good position right now. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge blessing. I just, I just can't say that enough. That's a huge blessing. I agree. So if someone wanted was interested in working in this kind of profession, how would you advise them to take care of themselves and in a field like this, as far as burnouts and things like that? Yes, that's a great question, Johnny. Self-care is so important. That is one of the things that we um, we kind of ask when we interview, you know, making sure you already have that in your forefront, that you're that that's something that you do. And if not, we encourage it. because this work is tough, we have adjusted our work week. We are going down to a 35-hour work week. And in that extra five hours, we are encouraging you to get some self-care, whatever that looks like for you. If it's just laying in the bed or what hopefully it's more than just laying in the bed, but you know, exercising, reading, you know, whatever it is that you do that helps you disconnect from this work for that time period so you can. So you would not burn out because that's one of the things that I do fear um, hearing these stories and being faced with, you know, people's trauma and their crisis and not being able to put that down when you leave in the afternoon. Um, it's important for your well-being and mental health to take that time. And if you need time off, you know, we don't, you know, you don't, we don't object, you know, we just ask that you don't be gone forever, but you know, it's just, um, you know, but if you need that time, we encourage you to take it. And, and I've never told anybody they couldn't, you know, have a day off, you know, I would never do that because, um, you know, life happens and um, you need to be able to take care of yourself and your family. Did you have anything you wanted to add to Miss Betty? Not really. I do believe in self-care, um, even though lots of times I don't practice it myself, but I do believe in self-care, and I was glad that we were able to initiate the 35-hour week for our full-time people. Um, I just think Kelly has done a, a really good job with her with her staff um, in her selection and in her communication with them, and I think that's one of the one of the other things that has helped our sister's house to grow and to and to flourish as much as it has in the community. I didn't want to leave you out, so I wanted to make sure that you had space to talk. Um, So for my last question, um, before we wrap things up, where do you see OSH in 10 years? Or I guess I could reframe it a bit. Where would you like to be with our sister's house in like, you know, in a few years? Well, for me, I would like, um, and Bethel, you need to come and see our office space. Johnny, have you been by the seat yet? I have not been yet, but it's okay. on my list of things to do. All right. When we get back, you got to come and spend some time with us. But my idea is that we be able to have that entire floor that we're on right now um, for office space to run our programs to just that's how big our sister's house would be that we either would have that whole floor that we're on or we had our own building um, in the in the city of Tacoma. Um, I see us continuing to be um, an asset to the African-American and and the Black community here. And if not, maybe stretching into South 
King County. Um, mm -hmm. We do get a lot of calls from other counties. And so to not be bound by one county to have funding that let us kind of float around, you know, maybe the whole state if needed, or at least Western Washington, um, that would be ideal as well. Because right now, most of our, our funding is bound to Pierce County. So if we, so be able to help people from other counties. Um, I work with a couple of friends from uh, the East Coast and they want to know, can they refer clients to us? And um, I say, yes. And I, and I don't, cause you don't, we don't want to turn anyone away, but to be able to help people from everywhere, you know, women from everywhere, to be able to, to take our confabulation and it become a really big, strong podcast would be excellent. So I, I have everything that we're doing. I would like to see it on a grand scale. I think that this was an informative podcast and, um, you know, since confabulation is um, centered around our sister's house, they, I feel like this episode is important just simply because it goes into, you know, the history and what it's been through and where it is now and the expectations of it in the future. And I think that this was a great session today. I agree. I agree. Thank you for I having us. And I also wanted to add one thing that, um, that was really important to my mom and my aunt Sharon was our sister's house also meant helping sisters, helping black women who were coming out of college um, to get a foot up when, you know, when other employers wouldn't hire them. You know, we, we, we wanted to um, give young black women or black, you know, men as well, chances in the workforce, you know, get some experience out of their belt. For a long time, my mom thought this was entry level work. Well, now I don't think it's entry level work. We're, we're pretty specialized. Um, I wouldn't just, you know, we, we want people with good skills and to, to hone those skills while they're with us. We don't expect people to stay with us forever, but if you want to, you can. But, um, you know, just I just want to make sure we put that out there as well, that our sister's house meant our, our, our old tagline was sisters helping sisters. And, and behind the scenes, that really is true. Thank you once again, Miss Betty and Miss Kelly. We really appreciate um, your time and your labor and just like everything you do for OSH and for the greater um, community as well. Um, so this week, I'm actually not going to be dropping a Black History Month trivia hint just because I want to redirect you to our Instagram. Um, I'll be posting, I've been posting uh, hints all throughout the past couple of days and since tonight's going to be our first uh, trivia night and I'm not sure if you're going to listen to this episode before then um, I'll create a highlight on our Instagram of all the hints and so you can use that as a cheat sheet if you decide to attend our Black History Month trivia night and you can sign up um, Go through our Facebook page and to our events, and there's a link there through our link tree as well on Instagram. Um, and of course, you can just contact us if you're having uh, trouble navigating that. And with that, we are all with our Sisters House, a domestic violence organization that provides advocacy and education for victims and survivors of domestic violence. If you or anyone you know is experiencing domestic violence, you can call us at 253 383 4275 or visit our website at oursistershouse.com. Thank you so much for listening and um, we'll be back next week.